Today is Sunday, January 5th, 2020. On this day in 1996, Hamas bomb maker Yahya Ayash was assassinated by Shin Bet, Israel's internal intelligence agency. The man who became famous for creating hidden bombs was undone by a hidden bomb himself. Welcome to Today in True Crime, a ParCast original. Today we're covering the death of 29-year-old Yahya Ayash by Israel's Shin Bet. Let's go back to the morning of January 5, 1996, as Israeli intelligence waits for the sleeping Ayash to awake. High above Beit Lahia in the Gaza Strip, a small plane carrying Israeli forces circled around the Palestinian city. The men inside waited with bated breath for a cell phone to ring. Once that phone rang, Shin Bet commanders on the ground and outside the city would give the order to kill. For roughly three years, Shin Bet and the rest of Israeli intelligence had desperately searched for Yahya Ayash, the engineer. Today, all that effort was going to pay off. The agents of Shin Bet were more than familiar with Ayash's work. Israel had been running red with blood. Suicide bombers terrorizing Tel Aviv and Jerusalem all wore Ayash-made bombs. Nearly a hundred or so Israeli men, women, and children had died by his hand. Down in Beit Lahia, Ayash was asleep. In hiding from the Israeli government, he'd taken up residence in the house of a friend, Osama Hamad. Like Ayash, Osama was a member of the Palestinian militant group Hamas. With Israel close on his trail, Ayash turned to his friend for help. Osama's uncle, Kamal, could hide him. Kamal was a powerful and wealthy contractor in Gaza. He owned property around the area, and Ayash could easily find refuge while he continued to make bombs. However, Osama warned Ayash that his uncle sometimes talked to the Israelis. As public enemy number one, it wasn't out of the realm of possibility for Kamal to turn Ayash over. For some reason, Ayash didn't seem bothered by it. Around 9 a.m., Osama's phone rang. When he answered, he heard a familiar voice, Ayash's father. He asked to speak to his son. Osama was more than happy to oblige. He went to Ayash's room, saw that his friend was awake, and handed over the phone. He told him to wish his father well. Ayash didn't like using his own phone. Knowing his status as a wanted man, he knew that his conversations were probably listened in on. The last thing Ayash wanted was for his family to be targeted by the Israelis. So as a measure of caution, he used Osama's phone. In the airplane above, the Israelis picked up on Ayash talking to his father. After a few minutes, they confirmed that the voice on the other end was, in fact, Ayash's, the man they had been tracking for years. The men in the airplane relayed their confirmation to their Shin Bet superiors on the ground. It took no time at all for them to give the men back on the plane the green light to execute the plan. 
a shin bet agent grabbed a remote detonator and pushed the small red button. Eventually, Osama realized he hadn't heard any noise coming from the other room in quite some time. He decided to go check on his friend. When Osama opened the door, he found a pool of blood slowly moving towards the door. To his horror, Yahia Ayash lay on the ground, dead. His head was partially caved in, and his hand was blown off. Osama tried to remain calm, but panic quickly set in. He needed to call someone, someone to deal with the body. He called members within Hamas, explained the situation. In no time at all, Hamas rushed to the apartment and claimed the body. Meanwhile, word got back to Shin Bet. The bomb inside Osama's phone had gone off. The assassination was a success. After years of living in fear, the Israelis were able to breathe a sigh of relief. Yahia Ayash, the engineer, the man who revolutionized suicide bombers, was dead. Coming up, we'll explore the origins of Yahia Ayash and the efforts Shin Bet made to bring his reign of terror to an end. Now back to the story. On January 5, 1996, Shin Bet, Israel's internal security service, covertly executed 29-year-old Yahia Ayash. For years, Ayash had struck fear into the hearts of Israelis. With a booby-trapped bomb, Shin Bet was able to put an end to Ayash's reign of terror. But how was a young man able to hold an entire people and region in fear for so long? Sadly, it was the circumstances of his times. Ayash was born in either February or March of 1966 in the Palestinian town of Rafat in the West Bank. Like everyone else in the region, both Israel and Palestine, Ayash grew up in turmoil. Since Israel's inception after World War II, the Israelis and Palestinians have engaged in constant conflict over the disputed region. Ayash was indoctrinated to hate everything that Israel represented. When he was 21 years old, Ayash entered Birzeit University, where he earned an engineering degree and soon after graduating, he married and had a child. Ayash had hoped to further his education outside of Israel. His sights were aimed in Jordan. However, for reasons never explained, the Israeli government denied him the chance to leave. It appears that this denial led Ayash to join Hamas, and his reputation as a highly educated engineer earned him status among the group. In no time at all, he was building some of the most devastating bombs for the organization. After decades of fighting, peace between Israel and Palestine made some strides in 1993. Known as the Oslo Accords, Israeli Prime Minister Yitzhak Rabin and Palestinian leader Yasser Arafat met to discuss a roadmap to peace in the region. The violence had to end. The first steps of the Accords established the Palestinian National Authority, an interim self-governing body, 
and made way for the withdrawal of Israeli troops in the Gaza Strip and West Bank. But not everyone was happy with the accords. Hamas, the rival party to Arafat's Palestinian Liberation Organization, or PLO, believed the accords were too weak. They wanted complete Palestinian liberation and autonomy by any means necessary. If Hamas was waiting for proof that peace between Palestine and Israel was only a myth, they sadly got it at the beginning of 1994. On February 25th, Baruch Goldstein, an Israeli-American extremist, walked into the Cave of the Patriarchs, or Ibrahimi Mosque in Hebron, and fired on Palestinian Muslims in the middle of prayer. 29 were murdered, and 125 were injured. Goldstein was overpowered by those not hit by bullets and beaten to death. Though the Israeli government and Jews across the world condemned the massacre, to Hamas, it was time to strike back with full force. And they had a bomb expert in their ranks. In April, Two months after the massacre, a suicide bomber carried out an attack in the city of Afula. Eight Israelis were killed, and over 55 were injured. A week later, another bomb went off in Hadera, killing five and injuring 30. In October, a suicide bomber in Tel Aviv murdered 22 and injured 50. And in Beit Lead, two bombers killed 20 Israeli soldiers and injured over 60 more on January 22, 1995. For Palestinians, Ayash became a folk hero, a man dedicating his life to their liberation. But for the Israelis who quickly identified the bomb maker, Ayash was an insidious terrorist who needed to be stopped. The manhunt for Ayash wasn't easy. Though they knew his identity, they didn't know his location. Ayash was a master of going underground. To make matters worse, Shin Bet wasn't getting any help from the Palestinian National Authority. In the fall of 1995, Shin Bet had learned, through ways that are still classified today, that Ayash was living with an old classmate named Osama Hamad, in a stroke of pure luck, Osama's uncle was Kamal Hamad, who at times gave information to Israeli intelligence. Shin Bet knew this was their way in. To add fuel to Shin Bet's fire, on November 4, 1995, Israeli Prime Minister Itzhak Rabin was assassinated by a right-wing Israeli extremist. The assassin believed Rabin was leading Israel in the wrong direction, the new Prime Minister, Shimon Peres, knew that Israel needed peace at all cost. Part of that was greenlighting the assassination of Ayash. Shin Bet knew that Ayash didn't like to use his own phone and often borrowed Osama Hamad's phone to take calls. Shin Bet recruited Kamal to switch out Osama's phone with a device of their own telling him that they wanted to listen in on Ayash's calls. However, the phone was rigged with explosives that could be remotely detonated. 
On January 5, 1996, Ayash was handed the phone with his father on the other line. When Shinbet confirmed Ayash's voice, they detonated the bomb. Ayash died instantly. But Ayash's assassination couldn't have stopped the conflict in the West Bank. It only brought more violence. After elevating him to the status of martyr, Hamas retaliated almost immediately with several attacks across Israel. In response, Israel ramped up their own efforts in targeted assassinations. After Ayash's death, peace between Israel and Palestine all but halted. In the decades since, a vicious cycle of violence has continued to churn through the region. Only time will tell if peace will ever come. But on this day in 1996, an engineer of death was killed by an instrument he himself had perfected for war. Thanks for listening to Today in True Crime. I'm Vanessa Richardson. For more stories like this, check out ParCast Original Assassinations. Today in True Crime is a ParCast Original. You can find more episodes of Today in True Crime and all other ParCast Originals for free on Spotify. Not only does Spotify already have all of your favorite music, but now Spotify is making it easy for you to enjoy all of your favorite ParCast Originals, like Today in True Crime, for free from your phone, desktop, or smart speaker. To stream Today in True Crime on Spotify, just open the app and type Today in True Crime in the search bar. At ParCast, we're grateful for you, our listeners. You allow us to do what we love. Let us know how we're doing. Reach out on Facebook and Instagram, at ParCast, and Twitter, at ParCast Network. We'll be back with a brand new episode tomorrow in True Crime. Today in True Crime was created by Max Cutler and is a ParCast Studios original. It is executive produced by Max Cutler, sound designed by Andy Waits, with production assistance by Ron Shapiro, Carly Madden, and Freddie Beckley. This episode of Today in True Crime was written by Joe Guerra, with writing assistance by Abigail Cannon. I'm Vanessa Richardson. 